Welcome to the MCA All-Star Podcast, where we talk about all things operations so you can build the best real estate brokerage in this ever-changing industry. Today, we've got a great interview lined up for you, where we learn from one of the top operational leaders in the game. So break open your notebook, sit back, and enjoy the show. All right. Well, I am really excited because today we've got the amazing Elena Hebert. Did I say that right? It's Hebert. All right. (laughs) Well, good. Um, I'm excited because we've been planning this for a while and we finally got a date. You're here uh, ready to share with us some of the amazing things that you accomplished. Um, And so before we get into that, though, give us an introduction. Like, who, who are you? Who is Elena? What, what does yeah. Elena do currently in our KW ecosystem? So currently I'm employed with KWRI as an MCA support representative, which was formerly known as the MC Angels. I still call myself an angel. I think, you know, maybe my boyfriend would disagree, but I'm an angel <laughs> yeah. in my mind. <laughs> we won't ask um, him for the list of, of <laughs> grievances around that. I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a reference for me. Yeah. Um, I help MCAs with all of the wonderful things that they do for our market centers. We have just over 815 market centers right now. So we support all of those folks through the trials and tribulations of daily life as an MCA. And before I joined KWRI as an MCA support rep, I was with the Lafayette, Louisiana Market Center, number 355. I was an assistant MCA by title. I did a lot of the MCA role. So I transmitted. I helped all of my agents, all 380 of them. And I was there for three years. And I grew all through that time. I Keller Williams has really helped me to grow as a person. So yeah, that's that's it. I think I covered everything. Awesome. Yeah. So you were in Lafayette. Is that the, is that the same market center as Lance? Yes. Okay. Lance was my formerly MCA, more director of operations. Got it. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Well, cool. I didn't, I don't think I realized that, um, but that's awesome. So um, that's actually why you're here today, right? We're, we're going to ideally dive into your experience in the MCA role, kind of what you did, the systems that you uh, that you had and conversations you had with agents around retention. Um, and as we were kind of chatting before about just topics that we could cover, uh, you mentioned just some of the conversations that you would have with agents to sort of create that environment uh, that fostered retention and productivity. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. You you mentioned you were in the Lafayette Market Center. How many agents did you guys have? What did you accomplish around retention? Yeah, so we had about 380 agents when I moved to KW International. I believe they may be closer to 400 now. We did do a merger last year with one of our um, sister market centers. So now we have those folks in that agent count. Uh, in my time as AMCA in 2020, which I'll throw a caveat out there, we all know the market in 2020 was crazy, and I'm still really proud of these numbers. Uh, in 2020, we did a double black belt, and then we also profit shared over $700,000 back to our agents. So uh, those are my 
pride and joy numbers that I like to bring up. I mainly like to talk about the profit share number just because it was so incredible to be able to share that back with our agents. As far as retention, we meet about the national attrition rate. Um, we would lose about 100 agents a year, but we always gain those back and we typically grew our agent count year over year. And yeah, a lot of that was due to not only myself, but also my amazing staff that we had on board and those coaching conversations that we had with our agents and the conversations that we had with them when they were looking to transfer to another brokerage. We saw a lot of success with making sure that they were aware of their numbers and that when they chose to leave KW, that the door was always open. We knew they were making the best choice for their family and their business and that we would be welcome, welcoming them when they came back. And we wanted to make sure that if they went somewhere else, that they were getting the full value of what they were paying to that other brokerage. So a lot of those conversations helped us to either retain the agent or to, again, keep the door open when they were ready to make a change again. I love that. And there was something else you shared too, before we were talking just around like some of the conversations that you had, you actually helped and, you know, grow some cappers internally. Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. I can't yes. believe I forgot. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I think in 2019, when we transmitted at the end, we had about 70 cappers. And then in 2020, again, throwing that caveat out there, the market was crazy. Uh, we grew about 20 cappers in our market center. So my recollection is that we had about 90 at the end of 2020. Wow. And again, a lot of that was due to myself and my amazing staff having those conversations, pushing our agents to go out there and get another deal. Uh, we did a lot of contests. We had a lot of conversations about how close they were to capping. We pushed them all year long to get to that point. And, you know, 2021, we had another great year as a market center. I hate to include myself in there because I was only with the market center for nine months in 21. So those numbers are still great. I know the market center is still amazing and I feel more comfortable talking about 2020 because I was there the whole year. There you go. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so tell us about, tell us about that. You, you helped grow agents into cappers and you said you were really intentional about, you know, pushing them, encouraging them. What specifically did you and your team do to help create that? Yeah, so a lot of what I talk about in uh, my class that I teach now at KWRI Prep for Transmittal is the anniversary DA list for company dollar. And that report is so helpful when it comes to finding folks who are close to capping or maybe you know halfway to what our company dollar cap was in our market center. And then being able to create a re-recruiting or a retention conversation around that. A lot of folks get really disheartened when they see that big company dollar number and they see oh my gosh I've in our market center our cap is 19,000 and we do a 70-30 split so if they saw 10,000 they're thinking oh my gosh I still have to pay in nine grand and that's a lot of money for a lot of folks especially folks who are doing this as their number one thing this isn't a side gig this isn't a you know hobby they're doing this full-time they went in head first so they see that number and they think wow that's a lot of money and that's just what i'm paying into the market center so when I was going through that company dollar anniversary DA list, which if you don't know, pulls the agent's name, their anniversary date when they roll over, and then the company dollar that they've paid in so far since their last anniversary date rolled over, that I would go through and pull everyone who was typically 
right at halfway or over halfway to paying in their full cap. Of course, I knew most of my agents by name and my cappers, of course, by name. So if I knew that they weren't a capper yet, I would highlight those folks. And then I would go back and I would do a little bit of math for them. And this is where that kind of retention conversation came through. So, you know, it's, hey, Susie Q, I noticed that you're getting really close to capping and your anniversary date is December 1. So we have seven months left to get you to that point of 100%. Let's go through the numbers together. And then as a numbers person, as an MCA, you know, I would get kind of nerdy with it and I would walk them through, okay, this is 9,000 in company dollar. That's 30% of your check, right? So let's divide that by 30%. Let's get you to that GCI number. So you know, 9,000 is what, is that 27,000 in GCI? So I would say, okay, if you brought me a check for $27,000 right now for a commission, you would pay off your company dollar cap. Great. You probably aren't going to bring me just one $27,000 check unless you're a commercial agent or, you <laughs> yeah. know, you have this really crazy, which in Lafayette, Louisiana, I don't know that there's a house out there that would get you $27,000 yeah. <laughs> uh, with 3% commission. So then I would take it that next step further of, you know, we're at 27000 If, you know, we do the average sales price at 3%, how many houses is that? So our average sales price is about two hundred k. So if you're taking 3% on every one of those deals, which is the national average, um, you're getting about 6000 every check, right? So if we're talking 27000 in GCI, I want you to make more than 100%. I want you to cap and then some. So let's round it up to 30 so that we get an even five houses that you need to sell, right? And this is all following the CGI calculator, by the way. So if anyone's familiar with that uh, ancient tool that some people still use, and I know this is kind of translated over into goals and command now, um, but it was really helpful for those agents to see the numbers kind of all come together. I had a whiteboard that I would walk them through all of this and shouts yeah. out to Lance. I know we talked about Lance. He's the one that taught me pretty much everything I know. And I definitely stole this from him, awesome. but it was always really helpful <laughs> to see that visual, right? So, yeah. you know, we're at this point, okay, you need to sell five houses. What's your average like split? Are you doing half listings, half buyers? Are you more of a buyer's agent? What does that look like for you? Okay. So you do more buyers, right? Okay. So let's, which, of course, we should be pushing them to take more listings. Listings are leverage, follows the model. Yeah. Most of my folks that were getting close to that capping space were buyer's agents or they were helping with buyers more. So, okay, three buyers, two listings. That sounds fair, right? How many appointments do we need to go on to get there? What's your normal conversion rate? And if you don't know or if the agent doesn't know, then I always just use the average, which kind of depends on your market center and what your market looks like at the time. But I'm then getting them into that mindset of, okay, how many appointments do we need to go on? Mm. Great. You got to go on 10 listing appointments to get two listings that are going to sell before you reset. Okay, great. You need to go on 30 buyer appointments to get three buyers that'll go under contract 90 days before your anniversary date. Cause we all know it takes about 90 days. And then they were able to say, oh, so I just need to get 30 buyer appointments. That's cool. I just need to go on 10 listing appointments. That's great. And I have seven months to do that, by the way. Mm -hmm. I did this with someone who was in my downline literally two weeks ago. She said, Elena, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm so close to capping and I just can't get there. I don't know what the activity is that's going to get me there. Mm -hmm. And I walked her through it and I said, okay, you need to call one person a day to get this many buyer appointments a week 
to get this many buyers under contract. That's all you have to do. And by the way, I know you have more energy to call more than one person a day. So let's set you up with three different types of people. You call a person you know, you call a FISBO, you call an expired. And that gets you three calls. That's already three times what your goal was. And I know I'm like going into the numbers and I'm getting really specific here. And it seems to me in a lot of the conversations that I had was that the agent just doesn't understand when they see that big company dollar number, what that truly means and how they can go out and accomplish that. And it seems really simple, right? Like I just need to go on this many appointments. But like Bold says, success is simple, not easy. So it seems simple, but then they get to sit down to do it. And it's just this mental block of, I need to call 20 people to be successful like so-and-so because that's what they do. And I need to make a million dollars right now. So they just get overwhelmed. And breaking it down into those really easy steps for them makes it just easier to digest and easier to walk away with a to-do list because that was what I did with my the person in my downline it's okay set yourself up a checklist and every day you call these three people and then you reevaluate your energy level right like am I at a place where I can call more people right now do I see this list and I had a lot of yeses and I feel energized so I can call and get some more yeses or is this a place where I cross all the three people off my list and I walk away and I'm done for the day and I can say to myself that I did what I needed to do to get myself to this point. A lot of my personal vision and mission in life is empowerment. That's what I kind of encircle myself around is empowerment. Specifically for me, and this is my choice, is empowerment for women through myself and my positivity and kindness. And if you're a person who just wants to empower all people, which is totally fair, you can still use this conversation. Totally. <laughs> for me, I was really looking to empower these agents and make sure that they knew their numbers. I didn't want them to have to come to me every time they had a question. I wanted to teach them to fish, right? So I would even help them set up spreadsheets that would track this. Wow. I would send them their DAs and tell them, I, I did this again last week. I would go through their DAs with them and say, okay, these are the numbers that you need to plug into this spreadsheet so that you don't always have to call me. I want you to call me because I love talking to you and I love helping you. And I don't want you to feel like a lot of it was, I feel like I'm bothering you every time I come and ask you this. First of all, don't feel that way. Second of all, let me teach you how to do this so that the next time, if you just have a quick question about the spreadsheet, that's much easier than going through, excuse me, the whole process again. I love that. That's so awesome. So there's a lot, there's a lot in there I want to unpack. Yeah. Um, I feel like I went on kind of a rant there. So no, it's great. What I love about it though, is that, you know, you took something that we see every day as, you know, whether, whether you are an MCA and you consider yourself a numbers person or not, the reality is you're around the numbers every day. Right. And agents are, may not be necessarily right. And yet, Oftentimes, so you took something that we know happens, which is agents can get into the business, whether they think it's easier than they than it really is or not, but sometimes they can feel overwhelmed. And you took that and you turned it into a game. You turned it into a target for them. It's like, okay, here's your cap. Here's how far away you are, but it's actually not that far away. It's actually mm-hmm. closer than you think. And I love that you did that. And then you took it a step further and said, not only is it closer than you think, but here's actually 
exactly what you need to do to go get it. Right. Um, and I'm going to help you create a plan to go do that. Yeah. Which I think is awesome. Um, oh, go ahead. Were you going to share something? Yeah, just really quickly. Uh, as an MCA, for me, it was really important to know my market specifically. So for folks who are listening in, you know, I knew that a capper in my market meant selling about 2.2 million in volume at 3%, right? That's going to look different for a lot of people. Like there are people in California who need to sell 20 or 30 million to cap. Just looks a little bit different for me in my market. As an MCA and as someone who is meant to be that helpful, empowering person in the retention space, it's important to know those numbers for yourself so that even if you're having an initial recruiting conversation and you're having that consult, what's the word, consultative, it just sounds really weird when you put it like that, but that <laughs> yeah. conversation with a brand new agent of, hey, it's 2.2 million for us, that's about 12 units, 12 houses. 50-50, six listings, six buyers. That's what we would like for you to do. Take it down that road, even with a new agent. And again, as the MCA and knowing the stats, that's our job, right? To help the agent understand what they don't understand yet. So you could even have this conversation with a brand new agent as well. Yeah, I love that. So what I'm getting is that you're really good at taking big numbers and making them making them feel smaller, making them feel more achievable. So yeah, I, I love yeah. that. Um, okay. So you started doing this thing. Um, what you had, what, 380 agents. How did you do this for everybody? Good question. The, like I mentioned, the anniversary company dollar DA list helped me a lot with that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would, <laughs> I would pull all the folks who were just over, you know, 10 or 12,000. I would pull this report, of course, once a month and I would go through, highlight everybody. And it kind of, you know, again, I knew who was a capper. So you kind of skip those people. I know they're going to cap, right? Like, I don't need to be having this conversation with them per se. If it was someone who I knew was in their first year, then I'm having that conversation. Mm -hmm. Or another piece was I would print this out, highlight everyone that was pertinent, brought it to our weekly staff meeting on Friday and said, hey, team, here's all the people who are about to cap or who just need a couple more deals to cap. Does anybody in the room have a relationship with them? What was really amazing about the Lafayette Market Center and still is amazing about them is that we created a space where we were able to have at my height of, you know, my role, uh, we had 14 staff members. We were able to help our agents with 14 staff members, which is crazy, awesome. right? Like it yeah. sounds crazy. Some people are listening right now and are thinking, how the hell did you manage to pay 14 people? to do this job, right? And I, I think that the relationships that we created with those 14 people is what helped us to get to that profitable point. Mm. You know, we were making those calls. I was sharing these numbers with my staff members and so-and-so would raise their hand and say, oh, I know them, I love them. They're, you know, in my downline or they're someone that I walked through compliance with step-by-step. -step, so mm. I know their whole life story. I know everything about their kids, their dogs, their family. So I'll give them a call and encourage them and push them a little further. Or I would say, hey, I've never spoken to this person. 
I do their closings, but they're an after hours or this is their dual career situation. I don't really talk to them. Is there anyone in the room that knows them better that would be able to walk them through this coaching conversation? And it was either that I passed it off to a staff member or they would help me to start the conversation Mm. saying like, Hey, if you're ever curious about where you are in capping and what that means in terms of numbers, just reach out to Elena and she'll be able to help you kind of walk through how to get the certain number of, of appointments that you need. So my staff was just incredible in helping me with that. There's a time that comes to mind. And uh, this is one of my favorite success stories. We had an agent come over from another brokerage, not going to say which one. And when they left, their broker was, she told them that they, she was going to KW and her broker said, oh, if you're going to KW with the production that you do, you're never going to cap there. Mm. And she was just shocked by that. She came over anyway. We had these great conversations with her. She is just an amazing agent. And I remember the day that she capped, she came in and we had a little bell that they would ring. And she told us that story. She said, all I want to do is take this money and be able to bring my kids to Disney World. You know, that's, I'm not doing this to bring in an income and pay all my bills. I'm really just doing this so that I can provide these wonderful experiences for my kids. And when she was about to cap, I brought this up in a staff meeting. And my ATL at the time, Wesley Stoniker, he's our TL in Lafayette now, he just said, what if we all gave her a call now? And we were all in the room and he put her on speakerphone and we said, hey, so-and-so, congratulations, you're so close to capping. She was at like 17 or 18,000. And she said, oh my gosh, that's crazy. I'm bringing in a commission check today and it'll probably cap me. And so then she came in, she told us about her prior broker. She told us about all of her goals. And she was just so excited to finally be able to reach that place where she felt like she was using this real estate business to Mm. provide these experiences for her kids. And for that success to be based on conversations that we had with her when we were recruiting throughout her process, she would call me all the time and say, Elena, how much do I have to go before I cap? That was their, that was my favorite question. When they would ask me that, it's like, yeah. great. I can tell you this number, but what if we talked about some more numbers, right? Yeah. So we had a lot of success with just tracking them and making sure that they knew where they were mm-hmm. and that they knew how much GCI or how many appointments they needed to go on to get to that point. Yeah. That was, that was one of my favorite success stories. I love that. What a great story. Um, A lot of things that came up for me as you were sharing that, like number one is I think sometimes we, we undersell the importance of just that, that encouraging word, that encouraging moment. Cause think about that, right? Like, you didn't even know her story from the previous broker and, and just that statement of like, you're never going to cap over there. Right. What such a limiting statement. And yet, mm-hmm. you know, who knows, like ha- had your team not been that encouraging voice. Right. Yeah. Which I think sometimes we can, we can take that for granted. So I love that you guys did this. The other thing that came up for me in that is, um, you know, it's just, it's again, you're you're taking the question that a lot we know a lot of agents have it. How close am I to capping or how far am I to capping? We know agents have that question, 
but you actually took that and said, okay, we know we're going to get the question. Let's, let's be purposeful in the conversation we create around that, right? Yeah. Let's not just end it with like, oh, it's this number and that's the end of it. It's like, no, it's this number. And here, let me help you make some meaning around that. Mm-hmm. It's not just this number. It's actually, you know, it's this number and that's only five transactions. Right. And that's only one conversation a day. Can you do one a day? Right. So like you, you took the question, you met them where they were in the question, and then you added so much more onto that, that helped people actually, you know, get what they really wanted, which is like, where's my hundred percent, right? Like that's what they really want. Yeah. That was my favorite question that they would ask me. If someone came in and asked, I always said, it's this do you happen to have another minute to dive a little bit deeper into that though? I would love to help you figure out how many closings that really is. And if you have enough under contract to cap you right now, because a lot of it too was, you know, you're a rock star agent. I know you're going to cap. If you have three under contract and that'll cap you, how many more conversations do you need to have to hit your profit goal for Mm -hmm. the year? Right. Because people that are hitting my cap number in our market are still at a point where I would love for them to make more money. I always want my agents to make more money. And at the point where they're at in GCI and paying off that company dollar, I want all of my agents to be more than cappers. So being able to say, Hey, you know, do you want to make another 20, 30 K? Great. Let's talk through that. Cause now we don't have to worry about the 36% that's coming out, including royalty. So let's talk about your goals. And then I learn more about them. I'm able to share that in my staff meeting and say, you know, so-and-so shared with me that this family member is really struggling with a health issue. And then we're able to show them a little bit more love or somebody's gone through that too. And so we're able to give them a call and say, hey, I have some resources that I'd be able to share with you in this situation. Just having those conversations always helped me to connect with that person And some of what we talked about before we um, hopped on here was always being ready to help Mm. and always being ready to get them to the next level. You know, it was never, here's your number, have a great day. For me, I love to build trust with my agents and build a relationship. So the first step for me and my tools and my talent that I had was those numbers and being able to explain it to them. Mm -hmm. Right. So I took that and I turned it into this conversation and I turned it into, I'm building trust with them. Every time they come and ask me their cap number, there was one agent that would, every time she would come in and ask that cap number and say, okay, how much is that in commission? Yeah. Right. She didn't want to do the math herself. And it's like, I could say, Hey, you need to divide it by 30%. But it's just, it's easy for me to do it on my calculator and just give that little bit of extra oomph to the conversation and help her out, right? And she is an incredible agent now. I see her posts on Facebook and she's just doing wonderful. So um, what was the question? I forgot. I, I Well, <laughs> I love where you were going with it. It was really just like, you know, that that conversation was sort of the end that you had yet it was really just in like one of the examples on how you and your team were you know just had that mindset of you know we talked before that unreasonable hospitality uh which i know is a book that a lot of people are reading so maybe maybe that's why we coined (laughs) that maybe that's why we attached that phrase to it 
Yeah, it, it really, you know, it really did sound like that's that's really the mindset that you and your team had as you were approaching conversations from your agents, um, or you know, people would come in. So, what was that like? Because again, I just go back to you had, you know, three hundred and eighty agents, um, which is not you know a small amount of people. Um, I can only imagine what the Gata minutes were like. So, how did <laughs> yeah. you do that, right? Because I think I hear that term like unreasonable hospitality and I'm sure there's a lot of people wondering, well, how do you have time for some of this stuff? So how did you do that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And to be honest with you, I kind of have two sides to that coin and there's pieces of me that if I could go back, there are things that I would change about what I did in the seat while I was there, but I'll go ahead and, uh, focus on the more positive side first is I had an amazing staff. If you have 14 staff members or if you have four staff members, be really particular about the people that you're hiring. Look for people who want to help. Look for people who are kind and who are, you know, helpful and just want the world to be a better place. That was always my goal. And when I had, I say it all the time, I, I was an AMCA but I had AMCAs, so they were my AAMCAs yeah. as, an, as an office reference, right? Yeah. Um, and all of those people that I had in those roles were just incredible helpers and were always willing to jump in and help out wherever I needed them. And that allowed me to have those times where I would say, hey, you know, we had single user Winmore, if you can imagine, with 380 agents. So if my assistant needed to use Winmore, I had to get my behind out of the chair and go do something else. So if they needed it, they would hop in and I would take a walk around the office, right? And that eliminated a lot of the got a minutes because I was proactively checking in with them and having those conversations like, hey, so-and-so, how's your day going? How's your business? How are your kids? What are you working on? Are you having any challenges today? Is there anything I can help with? And it was almost always before I even got to the door, they said, oh, Elena, I'm so glad that you're here because I wouldn't walk the 10 feet down the hallway because yeah. <laughs> I'm too focused on this thing. Yeah. But can you help me with this? And a little bit of what we talked about before we hit record, Herb, is um, I focused on making sure that the answer to the question was yes. Sometimes there was an and to that, right? Mm -hmm. So, oh, of course I can help you with that. You know who's an expert in campaigns? Renee, our MC tech trainer. Let me walk you down to her office or let me go get her for you. I'll send her down here and let her know that you're working on something and you need some help and she'll be right on it. Okay. Like I will get you taken care of. Honestly, I'm not the right person to ask about <laughs> campaigns and I don't want to sit here for an hour with you trying to figure it out when Renee could get it done in five minutes. Mm. So I'm going to take care of you. It took a lot of the burden off of the agent to go out and find the person to help them. A lot of the time they don't know what an MCTT is, right? Like they don't care. They're selling real estate. That's fine. I respect that. I understand that. We have 14 staff members. No way you're going to remember what everybody does. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm going out there and having that proactive conversation and saying, hey, how can I help? Mm -hmm. And then finding the answer for you, that's preventing a lot of the, oh my gosh, I'm in the middle of a fire now and I need you to fix this right now, right this minute. So that walk around helped a lot. My OP really pushed those. He loved it when we would go and have walk arounds. I would check in with him too, make sure he was doing Doing all right. Yeah. And another piece was if they came in and said, Hey, do you have a minute? It was, 
yes, absolutely. I would turn and face them, right? And I would say, absolutely, I can help you. Give me just one second and I'm going to finish this email and then I'll be able to help you with that, right? And again, that was that trust building, that relationship. Yeah. When I first started, I would drop everything and turn and talk to them and then I would forget what I was working on. And that initially built the relationship to where they would trust me to say, okay, I'm going to finish this and then I'll help you. But the turning and making eye contact with them was so important. Yeah. And the way that my office was set up was if they were, and I, I always joke about this. We had glass panels in our doors. So I would leave mine at a certain angle because we had a mailbox right outside the door that they would drop their escrow checks in. So if I saw a movement, I would look in the glass and if they weren't passing by my door jam, I would say, who is that? Is that so-and-so? What are you doing? How are you? What are you, are you dropping <laughs> yeah. off an escrow check? That's awesome. And that allowed me to like keep my focus on my things, but they still weren't dropping off the escrow check and walking out and nobody was talking to them, right? We had a front desk, but like, let's say she was refilling the water bottles in the mini fridge. Like who knows? They could be doing anything. Having that one little conversation is great. And then also I was facing the door. So if they came up to the door. I wasn't facing away from them. Couldn't see them walk in. They had to knock to get my attention. Mm -hmm. It was all about, and I've used this phrase a lot too, is that illusion of service. And that sounds really weird, right? Like I don't want to actually service them. I just want to look <laughs> yeah. like I'm servicing them, but it's more making it feel like they can come to you for anything and giving them the opportunity and having that open door. And there was a very few times that I closed my door, which like I mentioned earlier is one of the things that I would go back and maybe change, yeah. give myself some boundaries, give myself How some time blocks. Okay. So you would, you'd be more purposeful around time block. Yes. And I think it would have been helpful to uh, me personally. This is something that I struggle with is allowing other people to come in and help me when I need it and asking mm. for help. My director of agent services shared a door or a wall with me, excuse me. So she was right there. She yeah. could see them too. You know, I could have closed my door, put a sign on it that said, hey, I'm working on a time sensitive project right now. If you have any questions, go to the person in the office right next to me and she'll be able to help you out. No problem. Or even like if you have a question about this, this or this, email this. Or if you have a question about this, reach out to this person. Yeah. We used that a lot when we were out of town or when we were doing bold. But I feel that I could have used that a lot more for transmittal or for times where I was just really focused on maybe a mid-year budget that I just needed to get done that day would have been helpful. Um, and having... A, a person in my office with me that could turn and say, Hey, Elena's working on something right now. How can I help you? That was my yeah. assistant. Right. But for folks that don't have that utilize the rest of your staff. I know it's really hard to ask your TL to help you with something if they're, you know, in the middle of recruiting mm -hmm. and doing what they're supposed to be doing and being able to leverage off to the rest of your staff is invaluable. Like you, you can't even put, a, a dollar amount on how valuable that is. Um, you talked about, you know, when you're hiring, you know, some of the qualities that you looked for in your team to make sure that, that they showed up that way. Was there anything else that you did, you know, regularly or as a routine that got some of that buy-in of like, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to protect, you know, people's time. We're going to protect Elena's time. We're going to, right. Like, 
what did you do to to help create that environment? Well, that's a really good question. I don't know that I've ever thought about it that way. Uh, of course, when I was hiring, we went through the KPA process, all of that good stuff. We asked a lot of really good questions about mm -hmm. who they were, what they like to do for fun, what, you know, if, you know, we didn't ask if they had like a family, we kept it <laughs> yeah. PC, right? We asked the right questions. Uh, and then when they were on staff, I, I, I think I just, and my people at KWRI say this now too, a lot of my connection with people is through humor. I make a lot of jokes. I'm really yeah. goofy. I talk to myself while I'm working and I would always turn to my assistant and say, you know, I'm really, I'm not talking to you. I promise. I'm just talking to myself and it's okay if it's weird. Right. And yeah. I, I just, I loved connecting with them as people and I loved being able to just have conversations with them about like what was going on at home or what they were doing this weekend while I was working and connecting with what was important to them. I, I think the people that I hired were just, I, I could tell in my interviews with them that they were eager to help. It wasn't about being, you know, hungry per se for like this specific opportunity. It was that they were just the kind of person who's ready to go out there and say, how can I help proactively rather than reacting and saying, you know, oh my gosh, so-and-so is, you know, asking me to do this. How do I help them? It was more, hey, how do I help you? Yeah. Or I don't, you know, Elena's in Winmore right now, so I can't do anything in there. Let me, let me go do a walk around. And mm -hmm. I would encourage them to do that too. You know, my assistant had to walk around and just double check who was in what offices at the end of the month for agent billing. I would say, Hey, take some extra time, take a lap, take some time for yourself and have a conversation with somebody. That's great. And you give them that time to go out there and do the things that they want to do. And you learn about what, and a lot of the time there were people that we hired on that were just on the wrong seat of the bus mm. and you could tell, and we were just trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Right. And then we would help them self-discover, okay, well, maybe I wasn't meant to be a marketing social media person for the market center, but I can go out there and be an admin assistant for this team or this agent. And really being focused on my staff's success as a piece of me and being able to help them get to next for themselves, I think also helped me to connect to them. So I was really bought in to their dreams, right? It was so important for them to be successful because for for them to be successful meant that I was going to be successful. So let me help you get to next. Let me help you get better in this area so that it helps me. If my assistant got better at making AR phone calls, it meant that I had to make less AR phone calls. There you go. They were just being great at it. And we all hate those. Right? Yes, the goal of every MCA, right? Get that off my plate. Yeah, I love that. Well, good. So, um, I'm sure there's a lot of questions that I could ask around that. I, I want to come back to, you know, prior to uh, us hitting record, you shared a story that, you know, you had an agent, you were actually able to re-recruit because of the specific conversation that you had um, at the time that they left. What was that conversation? Tell us more about that. Yeah, definitely. So 
This was pretty late into my tenure in the market center. I had learned a lot. I had been through a lot of losses of agents going to other brokerages, a lot of agents that I always told myself would never leave. And there were many, many times where I got physically emotional and was crying over these agents leaving, right? I, I really let it get to me because I cared about all of my people. And what stuck with me through it all and what I always was able to remind myself of was that no matter what, this agent is making the decision that they know is best for themselves and their business. And then I'm not passing off judgment on them, right? Like, oh, they don't like mm -hmm. me. They don't like this. I did this wrong. It's not about me. It's about them. And they're doing what they think is right for themselves and for their business at the time. So I, I want to preface this with that because when they're switching brokerages, especially with our specific cap split, it was almost always to do with money. That was always the conversation was, you know, this brokerage does 20%, this brokerage does a lower cap, but they still do transaction fees after, which I'm okay with in whatever way. So when they would come and turn in their transfer forms, which at the time they had to turn it in on paper or certified mail it in. So I almost always had a conversation with them. They always seem so shy, right? Like they seem so worried and fearful about dropping that on my desk and saying, hey, can you get a signature on this for me? It's like, yeah, of course I can take care of that for you. Tell me a little bit more about this. Like no judgment, no I'm not going to try and re-recruit you in this conversation. You brought me the paper. That means you're ready to go, right? And that's okay. Let me close my door. Tell me a little bit more about this. And this was that conversation that I had. And, you know, I always prided myself on being the person that my goal was never to keep the dollars in. It was never, this person's a capper. I need to keep them here. It was almost always, let me just make sure that my last conversation with them ensures that the door is always open and that I'm looking out for what's best for them. And I understand that that's why they're making this decision. So this specific situation, she brought me her transfer form. I said, you know, tell me a little bit more about this. And she just kind of started going into that this brokerage was having recruiting conversations with her. And she just started to kind of feel the pressure of like they were calling me all the time and they were saying that they were going to their cap was this and I was going to be more successful here because they do this, this and this. And I said, hey, like, I totally understand that. By the way, what's the what's the cap? What's the split? You know, that's me just being curious. That's something that I can note down for later when I'm doing my guerrilla warfare. Right. Mm -hmm. So that I can keep track yeah. of these, you know, smaller brokerages. And she told me and I said wow, that's, that's great. I mean, if you continue at the same pace that you're at here, you're definitely going to make more money there. And, you know, I understand that it's 20%. One thing that I do want to mention to you, and this is something that I bring up to everyone, is as you're going through this process of transferring, of starting to close deals, of talking to these coaches that they have over there, just always keep that split and that cap dollar amount in mind. And remember that you need to be comparing that to the value that you're getting from this brokerage. 
right? So if you go over to this brokerage and you're still paying 20%, which is still a lot of money, by the way, if you're not getting 20% of your checks worth of value from this brokerage, then it's probably worth having a conversation of finding somewhere else that will bring you the value that you need. What's important to you? Make sure that they're providing that to you because you're still paying them money. I don't care if you're paying them less money, you're still paying them to do a job for you. And at the end of the day, that job needs to be worth what you're paying them. And in that moment, I will never forget this. She just broke down and she said, Elena, I feel like I made the wrong decision. I feel like I'm going to this place because they're promising me all of these things. But even as I'm signing this transfer paperwork, I haven't even moved over there yet. I don't feel like I'm getting that value from them. I feel like I made this rash decision and I'm just not going to the right place. And I said, hey, like, that's totally okay. You One, you're allowed to change your mind because they don't have any control over you. And two, even if you do go over there, it's okay for you to chill out there for a couple of months, see what it feels like, evaluate the value that they're bringing to you, and come back to the conversation later. I don't even care if you come back to KW. I just want you to find a place that fits you and your life and helps you to be successful in real estate. That's all that matters to me. And, you know, she did end up going through with the transfer, which is fine, you know, and I kept in touch with her. I would call her or text her every once in a while, or she would even text me and say like, hey, how's it going? Great. How are you? It's never, for me, it was never about blatantly recruiting. It was always about keeping that relationship with people and making sure that they knew that there were no hard feelings. There was a time and a space in our brokerage that we all kind of look back on and, you know, we're, I hate to use the word ashamed, but we look back at it and we say, we didn't keep the door open. Mm. And that's keeping a lot of people from coming back. So we worked on that through our time. And that one conversation, she did end up coming back while I was still with KW. Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, she, she came in and she said, I just remembered that conversation that we had and they didn't bring me the value that they promised me for the amount of money that they were taking out of my check. And listen, we're not the cheapest brokerage in town. And for us, we didn't want to be the cheapest brokerage in town. We wanted to provide value at the dollar amount that we took from them. And we understood that was a lot of money. So it was important to us to bring the value to them that they needed. And we always asked them what they needed. What more can we do for you? What classes can we provide for you? What would be helpful for you to go and get one more deal? So I always pointed it back to that value. Because listen, you're paying me 30%, but you're also getting 14 staff members that can help you with any question you have. Yeah. And I think they've they've maybe pared it down in the shift to they're probably at 10, maybe a dozen, but that's still a lot of people that are able to help. And even if it's 10 people, they're going to figure it out for you. That was a value that we really instilled in our staff was you have to be willing to help them find the answer to the question without passing them off to someone else and saying, "Uh, yeah, I think so-and-so can help you with that. Their office is down there. That's not, I, I need that active, hey, so-and-so can help you with that. Let me walk you down to their office. And if they're not in their office, I'm going to make a sticky note or text them right now and tell them to call you because I don't want you to have to be the one that tracks down the answer. I'm going to be the one that does it for you. I love that. Yeah, you know, what you're saying is a little counterintuitive, right? Because I'm sure there's people on the call going, 
that was your chance to like re-recruit them right then or like, you know, anchor it and all those things. And yet what I'm hearing you say is you, you and your team, you were really purposeful about, um, we're going to, we're going to make it all about the agent. And as long as we're doing that in the conversation, we can go back as a team and then reevaluate. Okay. People are leaving for this reason, or these are the conversations we had. This is their, these are their needs. This is, these are their struggles based on all of that. Now, what are the changes we're going to make? Right. Like you said, you brought up guerrilla warfare based on some of those things. Okay. Now's the time to make the changes. Right. And yet yeah. what I'm hearing you say is like, it's all about the agent in those conversations. And then with the team, you're going like, okay, here, here's what we're experiencing. Here's what, are, where our people are, or here's right. what our people need from us. Right. And that was my goal, right? Like it may seem counterintuitive to other folks. Um, and I totally get that. Like there's, there's a space in that conversation where I could have been like, Hey, what can we do to get you back today? That person's going to continue to consider moving unless I'm able to lock in the value that I'm bringing to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And they know that for me personally, it was more important for me to be the shoulder for them to cry on rather than the coach. Um, I, some people love it. Right. And some people that's their talent and that's what they're built to do. And I pointed her down the hall to my TL to go and have that conversation too. Right. And for me, I always wanted to be the person that they came to with their concerns and that I found helped me to Agents would come to my door and say, I'm struggling with this. I'm not going to tell the TL about this because he's going to try to coach me into doing something, right? And I was that person that said, oh my gosh, I totally understand. That sucks. That really sucks that that deal fell apart for you. Like, tell me more about how you're feeling. I know that that must really hit your goals in a negative way. Tell me more about that. And how can I help you to do this? It wasn't, you know oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened here. Here's how we're going to put it back together. Mm. It was always opening that door to say, how can I help you in this moment? Yeah. Whether it's you just venting to me or me helping you to put the deal back together, I don't care. I'm going to help you however you need me right now. So again, I point this back to myself and my personal goals of just more empowering people to be able to go out there and make these decisions for themselves. Absolutely. I could have probably kept the agent there, but they, and I see this a lot. We keep the agent, but it's only for so long, mm. right? They, they're going to continue wondering and they're going to continue thinking, what if I had done this? So for me, it was always let the baby bird fly. They'll come back home eventually, yeah. you know, and some people, it might take three months. Some people, it might take three years. Mm. We saw that happen too. It's, you know, well, my business just kept going downhill after I left. And after the first year, I thought, oh, I just had an off year because I had just transferred, right? I was getting used to a new system, a new space. So I gave it another year. And then I said, oh, this isn't really working for me, but this other brokerage was re-recruited or recruiting me, excuse me. So I went over there to try something new. And then I just found that my business gone, went even further downhill. And when I joined you guys, my business was just skyrocketing in my first couple of years. So that's yeah. why I decided to come back. Sometimes it just takes time and that's okay. And I was always so accepting of 
again, you're doing what you think is best for yourself and your business. And I respect that. Love that. Awesome. Well, um, a lot of great things that I'm taking away from this conversation. So I so appreciate you. Um, any like last, Hey, we didn't talk about this. Any parting words that you would have for the people listening? Oh, I feel like I didn't touch on this when I was talking about the got a minute. So I'll cover it now. One thing that I would go back and change about my time as an AMCA or an MCA is I wish I had been more gentle with myself in my time in the role. I took a lot of things personally. I allowed emotions to cloud a lot of my reactions to things, hence the crying when agents would leave. I, and something I learned at KWRI is I needed to talk to myself the way that I would talk to someone else. So if I was experiencing a failure, if I was experiencing a challenge, I needed to talk to myself in the way that I would talk to an agent who was having the same issue. And a lot of the time I didn't do that. And that would have made my life as an MCA a whole lot easier. I wouldn't have, I had a lot of burnout when I was in that role. I had a lot of times where I would work through lunch and then stay until 7 p.m. and I would hate my life and I would go home and think, why am I doing this? This is awful. And then the next day I would go in and these amazing agents would come in and tell me, thank you for all that you do or give me a nice thank you note. And it made it all worth it. And please set boundaries with yourself and your market center and your leadership and your agents. I know it sounds silly and it sounds not as easy. It's, it feels impossible to do that when you're in it. And it's so important to do that so that you're able to best serve the agents. Yeah. That was what stuck with me was if I had taken better care of myself, I would have been able to take better care of my agents. Yeah. um, I think that's great advice. Um, and a, and a great note to end on this went by (laughs) so fast. It was so fun talking to you. Thank you so much, Elena. So appreciate um, all that you do for us at KWRI and all that you did for your agents when you're in the role. Um, Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thanks. I'm sure we'll see you at the next event or or the next class that you're teaching. Um, But other than that, yeah, it's been great to having you on here. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this month's episode. We hope and trust you learned something today. If you liked what you saw, be sure to like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our latest content.